Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate markets work in cycles. We're at the bottom, we're in the middle, we're at the top. The big question today, where are we in the market cycle? And even more importantly than that, what can an investor do about it? That's what we're gonna talk about today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host and financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. You know, as we study the real estate markets, and there's more than one right around the country, around the world, they move in cycles, and they don't always line up exactly the same. Sometimes the office market moves independently or differently from the residential market, which is completely separate from the agricultural market. Now, there are certainly some big picture things we'll talk about today that have an effect, but investors always want to know, hey, how close are we to the top and what do we do about that? And in fact, I was just up in Lancaster uh, speaking at an event that our good friends uh, Michael and Jerry put on, and we were on a panel where they were asking this exact thing. Where do you see us in the market cycle? And the most important part, what do you do? And of course, if you've been reading our newsletter, uh, that's also top of mind on the newsletter. Yeah, I think it's one of the most common questions that comes in to ask the guys when we get into conversations with people. Uh, people want to know. Most of the time when people are asking it, where are we at in real estate or what's going on in real estate, where are we at in the cycle, they're talking about housing. But to your point, Robert, and I think it's a really good one, is as we say all the time, real estate really isn't an asset class because there's so many different categories of real estate. Uh, Blackstone is pouring a bunch of money into warehousing right now, you know, investing in the Amazon effect and distribution. And that's very different than, say, what's going on in retail, which is on the opposite side of that trend where malls and some of the shopping areas are really having a harder time. And so you look at stores like Walmart and Dollar General and Dollar Store closing operations at the same time that warehouses are popping up everywhere. So you have to be careful when you're talking to someone about where we're at in anything. Part of what's going on has to do with what's happening in the macro. Uh, you think about money, the cost of money, interest rates, what's going on with the Fed. That's a big part of it. Uh, tax breaks has played a big part. We've talked a lot about that with the uh, whole Opportunity Zones thing in particular and the bonus depreciation that's come out uh, under the Trump administration. Those are a couple of factors that should probably drive a lot of money into real estate in general. Then you have to take a look at what's going on at the micro level. And at the micro level, it is what's going on in a particular industry sector, the demographic that it's 
serves. We talk all the time about the silver tsunami, uh, and you see the growth in medical healthcare type real estate because there's so many people that need healthcare, and that's a booming sector of the economy. Resort property has been another one. And then you look at what's going on with the millennials and student debt and their inability to qualify for uh, houses uh, as much as previous generations are late bloomers, if you will, when it comes to getting involved in pushing uh, up the bottom end of the market by entering the housing market. So there's a lot of different things that go into a cycle when you talk about real estate. And so uh, we're going to just talk about, I think, some some general things today because it's really less about what's going on. But really, when you see something going on, whatever your niche is, how do you play it? What do you do? Well, that's the thing. And this is the challenge for a real estate investor is you have to look out at a whole bunch of different things. It's not like there's just one key indicator. In fact, it's so confusing that nobody gets it right, which is why we can't give you the precise date and time as much as we'd like to as to when the housing market's going to hit the top. But understand the housing market even isn't a single market. It's so localized. There are dozens and dozens and hundreds of housing markets throughout the U.S., our primary listener audience, and beyond that and the other more than 190 countries where we have listeners, the trends are what you have to keep an eye on. What's happening with rental rates in terms of how they're trending? What's happening with demographics in terms of how people live? Millennials live differently, especially when they're in a certain stage in their life than, say, baby boomers do. And all of that affects real estate. So we're not going to complicate it too much. I think we're going to spend most of today's show talking about the proactive things you can do if you've come to the conclusion that we might be at the top. We're not here to say we're at the top or we're not at the top or how much time we have, but there are some things to consider. You know, Russ, you mentioned the tax reform. Uh, when I was on this panel with our good friend Dave Zook, who we'll actually hear from uh, shortly on the Real Estate Guys radio program, Dave shared how much he felt that the new tax law was going to perhaps extend the cycle because it's great for real estate. It's great for a lot of reasons, the bonus depreciation, certainly, but opportunity zones, bringing new money into the real estate sector. If you aren't up to speed with that, go back and hear the few shows we did about that. Coming up, we're going to do a case study on an active opportunity zone deal. You get to really look at the nuts and bolts of it. But for that reason, Dave's premise, and he's a pretty smart investor, is absent wherever we might be in the cycle, the very act of where we have tax reform in the U.S. is going to push us out a little bit. Okay, well, there's an opinion too. We're not here to give you your opinion. We're here to give you some ideas and you can think about what's going to happen. One of the big pictures, of course, of the things we look at is interest rates. Yeah, so understanding real estate. And when we talk real estate and real estate investing in particular, or even pricing, uh, even in something like single family houses, it's really all a derivative of income of cash flow. In other words, someone can only afford to pay a price for a house based on their income and how much income that will mortgage into the purchase price of a house because most houses are bought with mortgages. So interest rates are a factor. If you take a look at the different inputs, the major inputs are going to be interest rates and the tax consequences. Those two things, if you can lower interest rates and lower taxes, then the same amount of income will buy more houses. So when Dave says, hey, I think this policy is going to extend the cycle, uh, I would agree with him. I think he's right. And that's great. The challenge, and this is what we look at anytime we go into a market and are doing due diligence and underwriting a marketplace, is we look at what we call sustainable 
drivers is whatever's driving or supporting the market, is it sustainable? Because when you make an investment in a property and you sign on a 20 or 30 year mortgage, you may not plan on keeping the property that long, but I think you need to be prepared to, but certainly it's a long-term investment. Unless you're flipping, you're probably going to be in the property for at least five or 10 years and you should always buy with that in mind. You should finance your structure with that in mind and you should underwrite with that in mind. Do the supply and demand dynamics uh, support that? Are they sustainable? The demographics, the income, uh, the interest rate structure you use in your financing, and of course, the tax. We saw back, if you're old enough to remember, uh, in the late 80s, they changed the tax code specific to real estate, and it wasn't favorable to real estate. It was unfavorable to real estate, and that created a real downdraft. It crushed the savings and loan business because they were lending primarily against real estate, and it created a real downtrend uh, in, in real estate prices. And so when you're trying to figure out where you're at in a cycle, these are some of the things you want to look at, and certainly interest rates are on that list. Now, another thing to consider before we start concentrating on what to do about it is just that cycles, as Dr. Doug Duncan said at our uh, summit at sea in 2018, don't just die from old age. So people say, well, it's been a long time or a long in the cycle. And depending on how you look at that and what your market looks like, it may seem like things have been going pretty well for a long time. That's not reason enough to say that, hey, we're near the end. But do understand that every single day we're closer to the next market top. That's just how it works. So as real estate investors, we're going to operate through a lot of seasons and a lot of cycles. And getting our mind around what to do and how to navigate ahead, because we have to be looking ahead, is what's critical to drive your success as a real estate investor. Anybody in real estate can make money when the market's doing well. When there's market equity, the houses in your neighborhood are going up 20% a year. Well, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to figure out how to come alongside that. But sophisticated investors can make money no matter what the market's doing, whether it's going up, down, or sideways. And that's really the mission for someone who wants to be serious about real estate. You don't have to be a full-time real estate investor, but you have to be serious enough to study it so you can make the right moves. When we come back, we're going to talk about what exactly can you do if you think we're near the top. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helm. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Real Estate Guys listeners, are you tired of losing real estate deals due to financing issues? Have you had enough of waiting on banks, lenders, and investor groups to fund new projects? What if there were a way to eliminate all the hassle and invest in real estate on your own terms? I'm here to tell you there is. Patrick Donahoe here from Paradigm Life. I'm an Investopedia top 100 most influential financial advisor, and I recently wrote a best-selling book about the financial strategy that changed my entire investment model and the one that could change yours. To get a copy of my book for free and learn how you can maximize your real estate portfolio by acting as your own bank, send an email to mybank at realestateguysradio.com. Don't make another real estate deal without reading my book first. Email mybank at realestateguysradio.com now to get your copy for free. Stop for a moment. Why are you listening to this show? Are you dreaming of a bigger, brighter financial future? 
More personal freedom to live life on your own terms? What if there was just one skill that could make it happen? There is. Sales. Robert Kiyosaki says every entrepreneur must be good at sales. It's true for investors too. Sales is how you attract money, people, and opportunities. Sales is the skill used to negotiate deals and lead your team. Sales skills are essential to success. The good news is, it's a learnable skill. The great news is, we've created a two-day interactive workshop to teach those skills to you. Make plans today to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People, Mastering the Art of Financial Selling. For dates and details, send an email to sales at realestateguysradio.com or visit realestateguysradio.com and look under events. Gain the skills you need to succeed. Email sales at realestateguysradio.com or look under the events tab at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Mark Skousen, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. No matter how you're doing that, we appreciate it. Now in our 22nd year of broadcast and a whole bunch of years of podcasting, we're talking today about the actions you can take as we near the top of a market. A lot of people feel that uh, our days are numbered in this cycle. Uh, whatever it is for you, you're going to decide when it's time to maybe pull your chips off the table or take different moves. But we wanted to talk today about some of the things you can be thinking about because what you don't want to do is just sit on the sidelines. Like, I think real estate is going to be bad for the next five years, so I'm not going to do anything. Most times when you do that, if you look back and study, that's been a mistake. There's a lot of people who got out, if you will, two years ago. Because there were signs two years ago that we were headed for something. And here we are, right? The stock market has been interesting over the past year, but still hasn't, you know, careened into the ground. Real estate investors move slowly. We're not flash traders. We don't get in and out because of the high cost to turn over a property, meaning every time I sell a property, I've got high sales costs. So we like to say you get married to a market. You pick a market, especially as a buy and hold investor, you're going to be there for a while and markets move slowly. Well, so do many of the other factors. So we can't be alarmed like the stock market is when, hey, the market was up today on a word of this or this particular political thing happened and then the market was down, right? Real estate doesn't work like that. Your tenants don't look at the newspaper and go, oh my gosh, there's a, a, a tanker being bombed in, in the middle of the ocean somewhere. I'm moving, right? They just don't think that way. So as investors, we want to be aware of the macro picture, but we also want to take specific trends in mind and we take our action. And I think maybe, you know, Russ, we talked about interest rates, but specifically for real estate investors, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen in interest rates, but there are some clues out there right now. And as our financial strategist, what are maybe some suggestions for folks uh, to do if they think we're nearing the top from a mortgage perspective? Well, I mean, I think right now you've got mortgage rates that are ridiculously low. Uh, the dollar is relatively strong. And I use the word relative because it's really all currencies are falling. It's just that the dollar is falling less. And the dollar is the beneficiary of geopolitical unrest. And when there's uncertainty in the markets, everybody runs to hide in what they perceive to be the safest uh, form of liquid asset. And that tends to be treasuries, which is the dollar, and gold. 
And both of those have been up recently. Uh, and that's kind of ironic because generally you think of gold as a way to hedge against a falling dollar. And yet you have a dollar that's relatively strong and gold is also strong. So that tells me that there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. And as you see interest rates dropping uh, in treasuries, it's because people are buying there to hide. Uh, they, they, they're looking for safety. So it gives a real estate investor the opportunity to go into the market and lock that low pricing. It's like having a sale on money and lock in that long term. So, you know, there were many times, 15 years ago, Robert, when we first started really teaching together, uh, I had my mortgage company and I was a big fan of adjustable rate mortgages. I could prove mathematically it made sense if you were investing for five to seven years. And there really wasn't anything to suggest that interest rates were going to be rising. Uh, it really seemed like interest rates were going to be stable or falling. And that's exactly what happened. Today, interest rates are so low I just think that the chance of them going substantially lower are smaller, although, you know, you could make the argument uh, there's $11 trillion of global debt that is at negative interest rates, but that's a different game. That doesn't really affect real estate investors. I don't know that anybody's going to be paying you to take out a mortgage, but if you factor in the tax breaks on real estate interest and the cost of the interest right now, it is pretty hard to turn your back on, on getting in on some of that cheap money. So uh, to me right now, I'm a big fan of, of buying properties that have good cash flows, uh, locking in good long-term interest rates, and of course, being in markets uh, where you've got those sustainable drivers. If you already own a property in a market that you like and with good sustainable cash flows that you feel like you want to own the property the next 5, 10, 15 years, but you've got equity, might be a good time to think about getting some of that equity out of the property because if the market turns, the market's going to take the equity anyway. So might as well be liquid in your safe or wherever you choose to keep it rather than have it just exposed to the market for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, we can go into all that. But but the point is right now from a mortgage perspective, I think long-term fixed rate financing makes a lot of sense if you like the property long-term uh, for income. And the only other thing I'll add to that, Robert, that I think is really, really important, I didn't want to get too far past that from some comments you made earlier, is is just re-emphasizing once again, so many people are trained and conditioned when they talk about ups and downs in the market to focus on pricing. And if you look at pricing, yes, pricing, asset pricing is volatile. But real estate investors are not primarily asset price investors. They're income investors. And if you can create a spread between the cost of the money and the yield on the money, uh, that's the magic. And it really doesn't matter what the price is. I don't care if the house I am financing is worth 200000 or 800000 if I'm not selling. What I care about is, is there a spread between my mortgage payment and the rental income? That's really what I care about. And if I have a good, solid, positive, sustainable spread, then I've got something called positive cash flow, and I can withstand any ups and downs in the market. The people that survived 2008 best were the ones that had properly structured deals in the right markets, 
and had good cash flows. And yeah, did their property values fall like everybody else's? Absolutely. Did it matter that much to them? Not so much because they didn't sell. They just hung on. And in many of those markets, the prices have come back or exceeded their previous highs. And meanwhile, they were cash flowing along the way. So you you can get all caught up in the headline news, watching prices go up and down and where are we at in the cycle and blah, blah, blah. And it's like a roller coaster ride. But real real estate investing is just riding the merry-go-round of cash flow. You just kind of go around. It's a little bit of up and down, you know, like you're going up and down on those little horses, but it's pretty controlled. It is nothing gut-wrenching like what happens when you go on one of those uh, world-class roller coasters where you're 115 feet free fall. Excellent point. And I think a lot of investors are trained to think in terms of asset pricing. And it only matters what your property is worth when you're buying it, when you're selling it, or possibly when you're refinancing. And I think one of the points is it could be an excellent time to sit with your mortgage professional and see what a refinance could do for you in terms of rate. Now, there is a caveat I want to point out here, and that is if you are 8 or 10 or 12 years into a loan and you refinance it, you may be starting the amortization clock over, so you have to do the math, and the math will tell you what to do. It may, it isn't always your best bet to refi to save a quarter of a point. But for your investment-grade assets, this whole idea of arbitrage, the difference, the spread you talked about, is what is going to give you staying power when there's a downturn, along with a couple things we'll be talking about next. But just be thinking, I should sit with my mortgage professional and, and do some zero-based thinking. Knowing what I know now, would I still get into the property? If the answer is yes, then... Mr. Mortgage Professional, let's take a look at my numbers and see, does it make sense to consider a refinance of some kind? And if you can pull out equity, well, that's a strategy that worked well back in 2007. We were talking about this idea of stripping equity from the property, meaning if the market had given you a bunch of great equity, you bought the property at 100000 it's now worth 180 and your loan's at, at 75. Yeah, back then, easy to refinance that and pull the cash out. Well, that was not available for a while, but those kinds of loans are back. You can pull out equity from certain properties under certain circumstances. And the reason to do that is twofold. One, you are in charge, if you will. You have made a strategic decision to have that capital in your hand. Imagine that the price of the property then goes down. Well, now you've got the money. You're paying to lease that money, so you've got to do something productive with it to make the spread, but the market giveth and the market taketh away. So if you think we're near the top, it's a time to consider that. And the other thing is, what we learned in 2008 is if you had a lot of equity and you still had a loan on the property, you were a much bigger target than someone who had very little equity. If you owned a property that was worth 180000 and your loan was 25000 you had a huge target on your back from the lender. If you had a difficulty with making your mortgage payment, you're first in line for them to go after because of all that unprotected equity. But if the market value was 180 and you owe 225, the lender ain't bothering you. So it's not saying get over leveraged. It's look at your entire portfolio and be strategic about it. So I think financing is one thing. That's one thing you want to do if you believe we're near the top. Now, the next thing is, the mindset of not just stopping to invest. People who sit on the sidelines are guaranteed of making zero return. Now, I know their argument is, well, if I was going to lose, then I didn't lose. Okay. But in real estate, even in sideways and down markets, we can make money for the reasons we've talked about and, and some more that we will. But this idea of, I don't want to be on the sidelines, but I want to be prudent. So what would you invest in today? 
The first thing we're going to recommend, and we hear us talk about this a lot if you listen to the show, this is the idea of recession-resistant price points. And that just means you're renting to a clientele that is likely to always be there. So if you look at the range of rents, you know, from A-class, beautiful properties where people are paying top-of-market rents for a lot of amenities, all the way down to the D-class where you can barely even get to the place in the daylight without a gun, uh, somewhere in the middle is a nice place to be, you know, kind of the B, B minus. Those properties, when times are tough, people will be forced to move from A properties down to B and you'll have a clientele. When it turns around and times are good, folks living down in the C area are going to do better financially. They're going to move up. So that's what we mean when we say recession-resistant pricing, typically something below the median home price. Yeah, there's another factor in there, Robert, that I think is an important one. In your investing, you're looking for a supply and demand dynamic that favors uh, demand. In other words, there's going to be more demand than there is supply, and that puts upward pressure on pricing. When you're dealing in brand new A-class properties, uh, the challenge is that's what builders can build. When they're going to add inventory, they build brand new properties. It's very difficult to go build a 20-year-old property or a 30-year-old property. And so it's hard for a marketplace to add a lot of inventory in that middle price point when times are good. And so, of course, people below you are coming up and they need a place to live that's nicer than the place that they're in. And there's not more of that being built. So they find room when the people who are in that middle space, because times are good, are moving up into the newer stuff. And the newer stuff is where is where the supply is being added. On the flip side, when times are tough, to your point, then the people who are above you, first of all, no new housing is being built. And the people who are there are going to need to move down to cut expenses. And so now you've got a little bit of a benefit from upward demand on that price point. Now, of course, that's true in individual properties, individual neighborhoods, but it's also true in marketplaces. So, you know, you can look at one metro that is at the high end of the price range and people will and have started to move to where life is more affordable when times get tough. And so we see that happen. You know, you and I spent a lot of time growing up in the Bay Area and a Silicon Valley went from being a sleepy little orchard town to becoming the tech capital of the world. Uh, it drove real estate prices up through the roof. And in order for people to be able to live there, they started to move out to the periphery. These marketplaces that were, you know, an hour commute. Uh, plus saw a lot of increase in demand because people wanted to work in Silicon Valley, but they couldn't afford to live there. And they would drive an hour, hour and a half to be able to have a decent home. And they were willing to put up with the commute to be able to do that. And, you know, the same thing is true in, in marketplaces, except instead of commuting, they literally move. And, and, and today with information work and the kind of work that people do, it's it's easier for people to be mobile. And, and that's where you see some of these secondary markets that have had some good uptake uh, as a result of people getting priced out of the hot markets. And that thing, that happens both in good times and bad times. Because in the good times, everything in the, in the great markets gets spit up so high that the people at the margin have to go someplace else anyway. So it's just, there's a lot of reasons to like being in that, especially when you're talking to residential, being in that middle space. You know, our friend Simon Black always talks about if you take prudent moves to protect yourself in the case of a downturn and there isn't one, you aren't any worse off. So many of these recession-resistant price points will work great in a good economy, but they'll also be a little more protective in a down cycle. 
I think the next thing you talk about, a strategy if you think we're near the top, is as you're acquiring property today, it's more important than ever that you practice prudent underwriting. When the market's going up and going crazy, it's like, you know what, I don't care about this tenant. I know there's plenty of tenants. I don't need to inspect the property that well. You know, I'll just sell it for twice as much money in two months. And you, you know, you buy a little recklessly. This is not that time. This is a time to be super prudent when it comes to underwriting, both the analysis of the market and the performance of the property. So when it comes to the performance of the property, a couple of big picture things. Number one, all things being equal, especially if we think we're heading into a lower market, I want a landlord-friendly state. I want to be in a place where the laws favor the landlord, and if there's a problem, I can get the tenant out quickly. Because if I can't, that's always a problem. It's exacerbated when the market's going down. That's the quick one, and that's easy to find out. Ask your property manager or prospective property manager about that. But the next one is to watch carefully the rental trends. When we study rents, we're always studying in the rearview mirror. What have people been paying recently up until now? But you got to look a little further to that, which is why we love having great property managers on our team, because they can give you information about how many people are applying and what is the criteria looking like. And are they having to change the kind of tenant that they'll accept? There's a lot of talk right now. I don't know if you've been following this, Russ, but I'm guessing you have, about changes in the credit scoring modeling to actually boost credit scores. We talked about this 10 years ago that when all the traditional uh, credit metrics are showing people's credit going down because of the craziness that happened in 2008 and so on, that eventually folks are either going to have to lower their standards or some change is going to have to happen. And there's talking about fundamental changes in credit scoring that'll make people look better than they are. Okay, well, that's a little bit of a concern if I'm a landlord. So I think you have to be super prudent today when underwriting any property you're going to add to your portfolio. Well, not to digress, but I'm going to just a little bit because I think that when you see credit standards being eased, it is a clue that there is a bit of desperation to continue to create more debt to keep the party going. Absolutely. Big picture, we have an economy that is driven by debt. You can say that that's not right. You can say that that's not good. Uh, and both of those two things may or may not be true. It doesn't really matter because it's the way it is. And to keep the party going, to keep the stock market going up, to keep asset prices going up, to make sure that all the collateral that supports the debt that's out there uh, continues to have good market pricing, protective equity, if you will, you've got to continue to introduce more and more and more credit into the economy. So the only way to do that when everybody who's going to borrow prudently has borrowed is you've got to go further out on a limb, if you will, to the margin and find those marginal borrowers. It's the same thing that happened. In fact, in the newsletter, we talked about this this last week, where we pointed out that from the 80s and 90s, there was a very tight correlation between incomes and housing prices. So as incomes grew, housing prices grew, and the two lines were like right on top of each other. Then in 1999, something changed, and there was a big divergence, and there was a couple of things that happened. And so if you study economic history and look at a chart, you can begin to uh, infer some causality. Now, just because two things happened at the same time didn't mean one caused the other, and so you always have to be careful about that. But, you know, if you think about things just from a common sense perspective, it kind of makes sense. And in this particular case, uh, at the end of 1999, the Clinton administration put a lot of pressure on Fannie and Freddie, who've both been in the news quite a bit lately because the Trump administration now is talking about taking them off of government life support. 
And in 99, the Clinton administration put pressure on Fannie and Freddie to lower their lending standards. And of course, the Bush administration, which followed that, got credit for this big boom in home ownership, which was really driven by loose money. Coincidentally, that's when the bubble started expanding. And of course, that was also driven by falling interest rates as Alan Greenspan dropped rates in order to uh, reflate the dot-com devastated stock market. So those two things happening together created the, the real estate bubble. But the, the point is, is that when you see lending standards start to go down, and that's what we saw at the end of the party in 2008, I know I was in the mortgage business, it was ridiculous. The credit scores kept going down, the loan to values kept going up, the documentation requirements kept going down, and yes, we've got Dodd-Frank and we have all kinds of regulations, but those have eased up a little bit too. And so the point is, is one of the ways you know that you're kind of nearing the end of a cycle is when you start to see uh, evidence of a little bit of desperation and creating more debt in the economy. And so that's that's one of the things. Of course, if you're a smart investor, to your point, Robert, you can take advantage of that because you have low interest rates. Uh, you have easier underwriting. But just because the underwriting is easier and it's easier to get the loan, just because someone will give you a loan doesn't mean you should take it. And this comes full circle back to what you started this last conversation about, Robert, which is the importance of doing good underwriting yourself. You can't rely upon your lender to do good underwriting for you. You have to do it because lenders will, at the end of a cycle, use poor underwriting in order to keep the debt party going. You can't get suckered into that. That's what happened to a lot of people at the end of 2008. They were thinking because they got the loan, they should take the loan. And that turned out not to be a good decision if you hadn't properly underwritten your own purchases and your own portfolio. We're talking about where we may be in the market cycle and more importantly, what you can do if you think we're nearing the top. We'll have more when we come back. Plus, we'll play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. It's Robert Helms. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I want to personally invite you to come see an amazing real estate market that combines excellent cash flow, offshore diversification, and what we affectionately call lifestyle investing. Come join me from July 5th to 8th in the beautiful country of Belize. The Real Estate Guys have been bringing investors to Belize for more than 13 years now, and our discovery trip is designed to show you the market like nobody else can. Sure, Belize is breathtakingly beautiful, the people are wonderful, and wait till you taste the food. But the real opportunity is the real estate investment potential. 2018 was the biggest year in tourism Belize has ever witnessed, and this year is starting off strong. How does that translate to real estate investment? That's what you have to come see. There's all types of opportunity in Belize when it comes to real estate, including both long-term and short-term rentals, commercial and retail triple net properties, business opportunities, land acquisition, development, agriculture, and more. And as the only country in Latin America with English as its official language, it's easy to understand the law. Property rights are strong and contracts are in English. And in Ambergris Key, a unique situation exists where demand for rentals continues to outstrip supply, creating a compelling environment for investors. So come see for yourself. Join me July 5th through 8th in Ambergris Key, Belize, as we study the market, learn about the sustainable drivers, and tour lots of beautiful real estate. And like all of our field trips, there are no properties for sale during the weekend. Rather, you'll meet lots of local providers that will help educate you about the market so you can follow up with them after the trip if the market's interesting to you. 
but that ball's in your court. You'll receive their contact details, but they won't receive yours unless you give it to them. You've heard about Belize and the Real Estate Guys for all these years. Now come see what all the excitement is about. Plus, we'll have lots of time over meals and activities to talk about all things real estate. To get the details, go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events, where you'll find the Belize Discovery Trips. Once you register, you'll get information about our group hotel rates as well as travel details. So join me in Belize, July 5th through 8th. It's a beautiful country with lots of amazing possibilities, and the only thing missing is you. Go to realestateguysradio.com under Events. I look forward to seeing you in beautiful Belize. Hi, I'm Nomi Prinz, author of Collusion. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, if you've ever wanted to be better at influence, persuasion, or sales, then you better move quickly because we're almost upon how to win funds and influence people. Happens just once a year. It's our sales workshop. You're going to dig it. Russell Gray is going to lead you through some excellent strategies. You're going to role play. It's a ton of fun and it'll make you money. You can get the details at our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. We're talking today about uh, what we can do if we believe we're near the market top. When the market is cycling in such a way that we're expecting downturn, there are some prudent things to do. We'll get back to that discussion after we play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize. But no, in today's Real Estate Trivia question, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you a Real Estate Trivia question, actually about a specific piece of real estate. And as soon as you hear the question, think you know the answer, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address. Because if you're the winner, we're gonna send you an awesome book called Passionistas, Tips, Tales, and Tweetables from Women Pursuing Their Dream, a collection of awesome stories from awesome women. You're going to dig it. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, it was our show about uh, finding a mentor and building up a mentor relationship. We asked this, the James A. Garfield National Historic Site is located in Mentor, a city named Mentor. Which state is it located well, why there are many cities throughout the U.S. named Mentor, this particular Mentor is located in the great state of Ohio. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Rush, you were talking earlier about uh, shopping malls. In fact, uh, there's a whole bunch of shopping malls across the uh, United States for sure that are no longer as active as they once were because the demographics have changed. Well, here's our trivia question. There's a famous scene where Jake and Elwood lead a police chase through a shopping mall in the 1980 classic comedy, The Blues Brothers. What mall is it? Yeah, what mall is it? A rather famous mall, and it was used in the Blues Brothers movie. If you know, or you just want to take a guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Send us your name, your mailing address, and the answer. And if you're the first person that gets it right, you're going to get passionistas, tips, tales, and tweetables from women pursuing their dream. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking today about the market nearing the top, and a lot of folks have different opinions on this, but we thought it'd be a good time to talk about what are some of the things you can do if you feel like the market is nearing the top. Sitting out may not be the best choice, but there are some things you can do. We talked about prudent underwriting. I think one of the, the most uh, conservative moves you could make is to focus on top markets. In fact, there's a lot of smart, smart investors that are hedge funds and insurance funds and real estate investment trusts that focus only on the top 50 MSAs. 
metropolitan statistical areas. Now, in other countries, these are the top cities where there's always real estate movement and there's a depth of demand. So one thing to consider is to stay away from the tertiary markets. Now, I'm not saying that's the only option available, but if we're just thinking about how we're honing in and we want to be careful, focusing on top markets can be a very defensive You know, you hear all the time in real estate investing the importance of investing in the path of progress, which sounds like a great idea. The challenge is, is when you don't have any control over that progress, you're speculating on things that you hope are going to happen that may or may not happen. And when economic times get tough, and there are lots and lots of municipalities right now that are struggling with underfunded pension programs, it's going to be tough to invest in key infrastructure to really take a smaller market and and grow it up into critical mass where it can attract business and population and create jobs and have all the basic things that attract people. Not saying you can't find one, but you got to be a lot, lot smarter uh, to be able to do that. Whereas when you go into a market that is already proven itself, that's already got good bones, if you will, good transportation infrastructure, good educational infrastructure, good healthcare infrastructure, all of the basic things that a business needs uh, in, in terms of a labor pool, customers, uh, access to distribution routes, uh, whatever it is that the particular industries need in order to thrive, if that's already there, then there's a greater probability that in tougher times, people are going to gravitate to where the things that they need and can't afford to build already exist. So it makes a lot of sense to stay focused on those bigger marketplaces that have already achieved critical mass. Now, you do have to be careful of being in an overinflated marketplace, especially because we've come you know, through a big up cycle. So, but it's just one of the strategies to consider. Another great strategy is why we certainly are big proponents of continuing to invest throughout cycles, just changing your strategy a little bit. You definitely want to keep some dry powder. Makes a lot of sense to have some cash when you're nearing the top of a market for a variety of reasons. Obviously, if you've got problems uh, with properties that perform differently in a downturn, you want to be prepared for that. But also when you come out of a downturn, that's when the buying opportunities are. And we all know we make our money when we buy. So I think it's good to make sure that you're prudent about keeping cash reserves. You always want to keep cash reserves. That's part of your underwriting, actually. But even more so as you get near Well, you have operational reserves, but you also have opportunity reserves. You can have that a couple of different ways. Back in the day, uh, mine were all credit. That, that turned out to be a mistake. I'm not saying you shouldn't have credit or access to credit, unused credit lines. I'm just saying that in a downturn, you can't count on those credit lines being there. So if that's your sole form of liquidity, you're going to be vulnerable. But the second thing, obviously, is having your own cash, and that's important. So you have uh, some of your own cash or something that is a cash equivalent, something that can be liquidated very, very, very quickly. Uh, if you're not confident in the long-term strength of the dollar, a lot of people park some of their temporary liquidity in something like gold, and you can pivot. You don't need to worry about just the dollar. You can convert gold into any currency. And so if you're an international investor, if you're accumulating debt in different denominations, or if you just decide that you want to be able to pivot to whatever the strong currency is, uh, gold gives you a place to hold your money, and then you can pivot wherever you need to go. The other way is to have great relationships with high net worth investors who are very liquid, and you bring to them in your syndication business the hustle. 
you're going to have the deal flow. When the when the market turns, you're going to get out there in the streets, you're going to turn over the rocks, you're going to find the deals, and you're going to bring them back opportunity. And so when people are not looking for those opportunities, and you maybe don't have those opportunities, you can begin to arrange by uh, having conversations with folks, because it's a lot, from a sales perspective, it's a lot easier to have conversations with prospective investors when you don't have anything to sell. They don't feel pushed. You don't feel hurried. You just begin to build relationships with people that would want to put their money to work in real estate when the time comes. And so that's something you can be working on today uh, saying, hey, we don't know where we're at in the cycle, but you know, history says that we're probably closer to a correction than we were yesterday or a month before. That's just common sense. And so based on that, now would be a good time to be thinking about what are you going to do when that happens? And if you've got a high net worth person who says, gee, I would be interested in playing, but I'm not going to run around in the street and look at deals. Great. I'll do that part. And then you put up some of the money and we'll get some other people to put up the money so nobody's taking all the risk. And then we can go take advantage of that when it happens. Happens. And so that's something you can be working on right now uh, before any of this breaks. If you're interested in real estate syndication, then come on out to the Secrets of Successful Syndication. It happens in late September in Dallas, Texas. All the details at our website at realestateguysradio.com. I do think that if you're looking at holding capital, it could be in cash. It could also be in precious metals. It could also be in infinite banking. There's a lot of places to look at, but if you're going to look at anything but cash, you got to get educated about that stuff. So if you're new to the metals, it's certainly worth spending some time getting your mind around that. We're going to be at the New Orleans Investment Conference in November, which is the premier resource conference. They'll talk about metals. They'll talk about mining. They'll talk about oil and gas. And we'll talk about real estate. You can find out more by sending an email to neworleans at realestateguysradio.com. One last idea to consider when it comes to being at the top of the market is there are certain demographics that don't suffer as much in a downturn. And by demographics, we mean groups of people, and generally it's the affluent. When times get bad, they get bad for the middle and the bottom part of the socioeconomic ladder, but the top, they're not as affected. So it's always an interesting strategy to market to the affluent. They behave differently. There's a lot of profit in those types of deals. But a couple of specific areas to do that in and thinking about if you think maybe the market is slowing down, uh, one of the ways we love to market to the affluent is through residential assisted living. Now, that may not sound like an affluent market, but here's why it is. Your customer is not the person staying in a residential uh, assisted living facility. It's their yeah, kids. and I think I think you know we talked about the idea with with syndication is one way you approach high net worth people. You talk to them about the future and possible outcomes and getting in position to take advantage of it. Another thing, if you decide to invest in your own account or combining those two, is to take a look at the demographics. And when you consider in a downturn, the response typically from the central banks is to try to reinflate asset prices. The rich get richer. You may not like that. You may not think it's fair. It creates a big wealth inequality uh, that has social ramifications. But as an investor, you have to be kind of agnostic to all of that and just deal with what happens. And so in this particular case, Robert, to your point, you've got the demographics of an aging society 
And you've got people who are going to be finding their assets growing at a time where they need to be taking care of mom and dad uh, in their 80s and 90s, and they need help living. And so that's been a booming business. You know, we've been working with Gene Garino and his Residential Assisted Living Academy for quite some time and seeing many, many people get into the space and have great success. Many of them are syndicating those deals too, by the way. Uh, and so that's turned out to be a, a great place to go. Another one is hospitality. Because the thing is, in downtimes, the rich still go on vacation, uh, and in fact, in many ways, when downtimes, entertainment does well because people are trying to get away from the doom and gloom that's out in the marketplace. You know, you may never be able to rent a house to somebody who's rich, uh, but you can sure rent a hotel room to them or a resort property to them or a vacation property. So that's another way you can take advantage of marketing to the affluent uh, from a real estate perspective. We're talking about the strategy you might want to employ if you think we're at the top of the market. Uh, we've actually got a special guest knocking on our door in the green room right now. As a friend of ours, you'll meet when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Are you looking to create sustainable wealth through agricultural real estate? Then look no further than Agro Nosotros. They're a sustainable specialty agriculture company with specialty coffee farming operations in Panama and fine flavor organic chocolate operations in Belize. Over the last four years, they've helped ordinary people to diversify outside of traditional real estate and into offshore agricultural real estate. They don't have your typical tenants, termites, and troubles. Their tenants are trees, and they grow and produce two hugely popular and proven products, coffee and chocolate. Through Agro Nosotros, you can own half-acre parcels in your very own specialty coffee or organic cacao farm turnkey managed on your behalf that produce passive cash flow for you and your heirs. And you can feel good about where you put your money to work. Agro Nosotros has socially sustainable programs that provide living wages, improved accommodations, and a steady channel to market to literally hundreds of farmers. And so far, they've placed 61 kids in school. To find out more and see how you can get involved, email agro at realestateguysradio.com. That's agro, A-G-R-O, at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show, no matter how you're listening. We're glad you're here, and look who stopped by. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest today is the apartment king, Brad Sumrock. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here today. Well, it's good to see you. I know you've had a busy, busy couple of months traveling around, and uh, coming up very shortly, it's the second annual Apartment Investor Mastery National Conference, AIMNATCOM. 2019 is coming up. Tell us all about it. Well, this this second year is just going to be fantastic. I mean, our first year was an amazing conference. You were there as the MC, and you were speaking as well. And you know, we do three training events a year, 
And so when we created our vision for Aim That Con, we wanted to do something a little different. And so we thought we'd bring in some of the best speakers on the planet. So that's what we're going to do this year. But last year we had like Grant Cardone. So right. we were thinking like, how are we going to top that? Well, the good news is you figured out a way. Yeah. So our, our headline speaker is going to be none other than Robert Kiyosaki. Awesome. Millions and millions of, of people, real estate investor like myself, our lives have been totally changed by reading Robert's books. And so, you know, for me to have Robert Kiyosaki at the event and, and me reading his books back in 2001 totally changed my life. And now for him to come to Dallas to teach us about, you know, how he invests uh, personally and his investment philosophy and why he loves apartments. And I know he loves to talk about infinite returns at apartments. I don't want to give it all away. But it's going to be an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think one of the things when you come to this event is it's big. There's a lot of folks there. You're going to get great content. Speakers are awesome. What you're going to learn from the stage is going to be great. But as important are the other people in the audience and the vendors and the teammates and all the folks that you have there. Uh, it's really an extraordinary chance to get your mind around this whole space. Yeah, and and again, like, you know, last year... We had over 25 service providers. I think we had 821 plus or minus one or two people. I think that was the number of people that came in. Yep. And these are people from all over the country and outside the country that simply want to learn about apartment investing, want to connect with other apartment investors, want to build their team, and want to learn from some of the best speakers on the planet. So this year, our plan is to just do it again, but only make it bigger and better. So we have Kiyosaki, who is going to blow everybody away. And we also have Harry Dent, uh, who is one of the world's top business consultants, economists, uh, master of market cycles. And, you know, I can't believe that he's going to be coming. And we also added Garrett Sutton, who, as you know, is Rich Dad's uh, advisor for asset protection. And now he's helping me in, in my business with asset protection as well. And of course, you're going to be there and Tom will write. So I just think that there's going to be even more people this year than last year. I think we're going to have more uh, service providers. And just an overall, um, I, I don't know how I could make it better than last year, but that's what I think we're going to do. Now, Brad, a lot of times people will come to Rat Race to Retirement, your other event, and figure out whether or not apartments make sense for them. This event, is it designed for people that are only in the apartment space already? Or what about folks that are searching? Well, I think this event is for anybody that is interested in real estate. And actually, I think it's for anybody that just wants to learn from some of the amazing speakers. So I think this is going to be a really big picture event. For example, what's going on with the market cycle? Do you want to understand demographics? Do you want to understand what the future may uh, hold for the economy? I think that's going to be covered. Um, you want to understand the new tax laws and how you could benefit from them. Now, obviously, there's a real estate bias here because yeah. we're all real estate investors, and there's going to be an apartment bias because I'm an apartment investor. I mean, they don't call me the apartment king for nothing, right? <laughs> but it's not just for apartment investors, and that's the beauty of it. So I think it's really for... You know, yeah, if you're an apartment investor, it's for you. If you're a real estate investor, it's for you. And if you're just a student of the economy and market cycles, I think you're going to benefit a lot. Good stuff. Well, it happens the uh, second weekend in August, and it's right around the corner. If you want more information about the uh, conference and to learn about some of the cool packages you guys put together, send an email to aimnatcon. That's A-I-M-N-A-T 
C-O-N, aim Nat Con at realestateguysradio.com, and we'll get you all those details. I am certainly looking forward to it. It was a blast last year. It's going to be great this year. Thanks for stopping by today, Brad. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. There's Brad Sumrock, ladies and gentlemen. Good stuff from Brad. Come out to the event. Just send an email to aimnatcon. That's A-I-M-N-A-T-C-O-N at realestateguysradio.com for all the details. Well, we've been talking today about what are the strategies you can be thinking about if you believe that we're near the top of the market. So some good, prudent things to think through. You do have to analyze your portfolio and just ask yourself the question, what happens if pricing were to go down, demand for rentals were to go down, and then look at your financing. And if you take prudent steps now, you'll certainly be glad you did. A big thanks to Brad Summer for stopping by. In the next couple of weeks, we're also going to talk about some of these ideas, some strategies you can take. We'll talk specifically about a product type that works really well. It works well in the uptime, but it works even better in the downtimes. And then we'll visit with some friends about some markets that also tend to do well, no matter what happens in the cycle. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.